0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the second edition of the concourse podcast and our world cup mini series last week if you did tune in you would have heard us go through our favorite our top 10 favorite world cup football shirts well this week we're going to have a chat about our five worst world cup songs as well as our five favorite world cup related songs as well. We're going to take you through the group stages uh, and summarise where that's at, as well as preview the last 16 games as well and make some predictions with the action up and coming. I'm joined by my good friend Scott Strata today. How are you doing, Scott? Very well, thanks, Danny. Are you enjoying
1: the World Cup so far, mate? Loving the World Cup so far, mate. Good to hear. It's, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's always fun. It's enjoyable. It happens only every four years, right? So uh, True. Yeah. And most World Cups you've got, You've kind of got two huts in the rink, haven't you?
0: Because you back the Dutch and the and the Aussies, the Socceroos, at the same time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I come from uh, Dutch heritage. Both parents were born there, uh, and sort of you know, growing up as a kid, Australia, you know, wasn't in the frame from a World Cup football point of view. So um, it gave me no other choice but to jump on and and follow the Dutch, uh, who are obviously quite a you know handy football nation during that time. Unfortunate to see them not in the current World Cup. But, um, yeah, hopefully they can rebuild over the coming years and, and give the next uh, World Cup a crack. Um, look, and then obviously with, you know, them not playing within this World Cup, the Aussies, um, you know, it's, it's always good to jump on the Aussie bandwagon. Uh, it's obviously, you know, my, my heritage in terms of where I was born. So, um, yeah, it's always fun trying to see how the Socceroos, uh, Socceroos go at the uh, World Cup level. What was the,
0: with the tough group, what was the expectation for Australia going into that group with, France, with Denmark, with Peru, also I believe I haven't been in a World Cup for, for many years too.
1: Yeah, look, it was definitely the, the group of death, right? Um, challenging. Um, from an expectation point of view, uh, you know, I, I personally think there wasn't much expectation just because just how tough the group was. And um, I think, you know, the three teams that are part of the group with Australia, I think they're ranked, um, you know, within the top top 12 countries in the world. So, um, so yeah, so look, from my point of view, there wasn't a lot of expectation, but there was a fair bit of hope that they would, you know, um, do, do pretty well, at least win a couple of games. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, it was, uh, you know, it was a little bit tougher, and, you know, I guess the better teams won on the day. Um, some interesting tactics as well by, uh, by the Dutchman at the helm. So, um, yeah, quite interesting to see crews get a lot of game time and. You struggle here to there. In in my opinion, in terms of being able to strike the ball and apply that pressure, and obviously, Tibby Cahill, one of the uh, one of the greats of Australian football, had very limited game time, so that was a bit unfortunate to see. Fair enough.
0: All right. Well, let's move into our five worst songs, and this was a collaborative effort. It'd be interesting to see if any Aussie numbers uh, feature in our worst five football songs, but let's see. Our first effort actually comes from my motherland. Um, from, from England, uh, and it's Sven, 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 Goran Eriksson by Bell & Sperling. Now just for the record, and let the record state, I really like this song, I wanted it in the top five, I think it's just comedic, comedic, fun,
1: genius, but you weren't so keen, mate. No, wasn't so keen, quite an interesting one. Um... Yeah, not a lot to say about that one, unfortunately. I, uh, yeah, just w- w- wasn't a fan. There were some better options. Well, let's have a quick listen to it and
0: uh, and then we'll share a few more thoughts. I'm hoping you can give it give it a second chance. Gerrard from range, powers
2: the shot. What a goal, Stephen Gerrard! Oh, it was brilliant!
3: Stephen Gerrard, the future of England football! Rudy, 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 Rudy for life Force they take me all Little Michael Owen, he put three past Ollie Carl, and Ollie must have cried his eyes out Down the auto barn. This is Owen. He's driven it in. What a start to the second half. Oh, oh, this is birthday. Christmas, New Year's Eve. All rolled into one. England are three. One up. Owen clean through here.
0: Alright, so Bell and Sperling there, uh, look, this song really takes me back to England qualifying
2: a lovely, a good, don't
0: forget speed speed. and this was after a period where we'd had this history with the Germans as well, they they beat us in the semi-final Euro 96, yeah. be interesting to see if any songs from Euro 96 of France 98 featuring this podcast today, they beat us uh, in, in Euro 96, Mister the penalty, Gareth Southgate, now England manager, Mister penalty at Wembley and that was our best performance in a tournament since, since 1990 when we, when, we, when we got to a semi-final, which was the best performance in a tournament since we won the World Cup in 1966, so yeah. it kind of felt like England were a little bit of a force then, uh, semi-final Euro 96, only for the Germans uh, to, to put us out at Wembley on penalties, then we had them in qualifying and our last ever game at Wembley, we played them at Wembley and they beat us 1-0. So to go to, to, to Munich and beat them 5-1 in their own backyard. That's and amazing. then have this song about it. I always found quite humorous and, and really, really light hearted. So yeah, That's look, awesome. I, I really like that one uh, from uh, Bell and Sperling. Two blokes from Dan South. Proper gazes, mate. You can hear it. You yeah, absolutely, mate. <laughs> Probably tough for the Aussies <laughs> to pick up the accent. All right, anyway, let's move on. We'll go to our um, ninth entry um which is a loose connection to the world cup it's by Kanan, the somalian canadian fella and looks a joyous happy tune but i just think for me and you this one just wasn't clicking was it mate just
1: it's just crap pop music isn't it basically basically yeah it's uh, it's an interesting one but i mean you look at some of the world cups and some of the the the, the key songs in in previous years and you know i think the pop the pop feels like it's you know they, they'd like to aim for the pop don't they? go for the masses they go for the masses you know and um yeah it's obviously hits a broad demographic but um, yeah this one yeah just didn't didn't hit the spot for me and yeah so so this was coca-cola's tune
0: that they this was actually recorded in 2008 and then coca-cola picked it up as their ad music for the 2010 world cup you, you go with that world cup south africa
1: no you went My, to t- I went to Germany Yep, in 2006. Shelley, your missus, did she go to 2006? Shelley went, luckily went 2010. Oh, where okay. the, the Netherlands, the Aranya, made the final. Changed their game plan and lost to Spain, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I would have loved to have been there, but unfortunately I didn't get invited. So um, that's all right. You can't go to a mall, can you? I think we've got to the crux <laughs> of why Scott doesn't like
0: this song. It's the World <laughs> Cup that he never went to. So believe it or not, we, we're just not no big fans problem. of this one. It actually got to... It actually got to number two. Uh, it actually got to number two in Canada where K9 is from. Let's have a quick listen.
3: Give me freedom, give me fire. Give me reason, take me higher. See the champions, take the field down. Okay, so
0: this Canaan track that was used for Coca-Cola, yeah, as I said, it actually got to number two in Canada, believe it or not. And then when they had, I think it was an earthquake in Haiti, he got a lot of people together and used it as a fundraiser and sort of went, went back out there with it again. So I think it was called Young Artists for Haiti. And he had Nelly Furtado, Avril Lavigne, Drake, all yeah, sound, right. like basically the population of Canada, yeah. uh, it sounds like. But now, nah, whether Drake's on it or not, or oh, Nelly Furtado, not keen on that one. All right, let's move it forward. And we've actually got an Aussie entrant here, and this is Rogue Traders. Now, do, do you know this band,
1: Scott? I do know the band. I do know Rogue Traders. Um, yeah, f- fortunately or unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So have got Natalie, Natalie Basingthwaite at the helm. Okay. As um, the key lead vocalist, and uh, she's quite an interesting individual, and uh, over the time is, you know, in spotlight across the uh, the socialite and celebrity pages. But um, yeah, Rogue Traders, I'd, I'd probably say, aren't one of my favourite favourite Aussie bands of all time. So This was another 2010 entrant. I'm just going to read you something
0: off the Wikipedia page here, okay? Just so anyone that hasn't heard of Rogue Traders, which is all of us, can get a feel <laughs> for who these guys are. Okay, so on the 13th of August 2009, Rogue Traders revealed that Henwood this is a band member, had returned on guitar and Spencer had left. It's a big deal. On the 14th of November 2009, Ash revealed via Twitter their new lead singer, Melinda Mindy Jackson, and new drummer, Peter Marin. Um, then, on the 25th of December 2009, on Christmas Day, they released Love Is War, and it was issued as a download single, and it peaked at number 90. Now for me, alarm bells are raising, alarm bells are ringing, when you have a band that peaks at number 90 and you're thinking about using them for your World Cup song on the 12th of March Would You Raise Your Hands was released as a follow-up single which reached number 95 still for me alarm bells mate no better wasn't yeah it? no we're going downhill here okay <laughs> so let's have a listen to, to Rogue Traders Hearts Beat as One for the 2010 World Cup and y- you guys can make your own mind up some of those lyrics burning from our southern sun fills the heart of everyone four more years of sweat and tears finally the moments here it's not going to win Eurovision anytime soon I have to confess (laughs) so after getting to 95 with the with the single before that uh, Hearts Beat has won they entered it into the Australian chart failed to make it terrible Uh, I mean if this is our third worst song I shouldn't have think what the next two are going to look like (laughs) All right, let's move this forward anyway. Our, our next two—you would not think that the guy who composed this song um, would come up with anything half as bad as this. This is actually "Un Estat Italiana" from Giorgio Moroder. Now, Giorgio Marauder, hes worked with Donna Summer, Freddie Mercury, Daft Punk, some of the greats, Debbie Harry. I, I mean, it's it's the it's the pantheon of music. He's known as the father of disco. All right. But this what he's come up with Giorgio We're lost for words, mate! (laughs)
3: Una canzone a cambiare.
0: Maybe it will not be a song to change the rules of the game, but I want to live this adventure so much with frontiers and with a heart in the throat. It is a world in a carousel of colours, and the wind caresses the flags, the bivvy comes and takes you away, and madness in a pug. For our non-Italian speakers, that's what Giorgio and the boys are on about there. I'm clueless with this one. So apparently, can you believe this, mate? During... 1990, between January and September, because this was used as the theme music for Italia 90 in Italy. It was the best selling song in Italy. Unbelievable. Cat? Yeah. Cat? Yeah. Giorgio, mate. We're we're lost for words. Alright, hands down, hands down, it has to be the worst World Cup song ever recorded in relation, tenuously or not, to any World Cup. And it's a shame for me, this one, because I just remember wagging school so much during the summer of 2002 to to watch this World Cup. And it was on early in the morning, 7.30 games before you went in. I actually remember I was revising for a, my first exam of my GCSEs uh, and I pulled a sickie on the Friday to watch France v. Senegal. Yeah, right. And it was Korea versus Japan. And I just I remember loads about this World Cup. But what tarnishes it is this awful effort from Anastasia. Boom.
1: Boom. It's <laughs> get
0: you. Boom. No. And we spoke a little bit in the last podcast, I don't know if you remember, mate. France ninety eight, that sort of turning of the tide more towards, you know, this modern football that we know today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Four years later in Japan and Korea and it's gone. All these big sponsorships. Anastate you know set blatter FIFA, mate. Set Blatter's FIFA. Let's have a listen to this one because it's diabolical. We'll do it very, very quickly and then we're gonna move on because looking for positive feedback on this podcast and playing too much of this song don't think it's going to do anyone any favours is it
1: do you reckon it's got anything to do with how
0: she looks boom what do you reckon what was the i'm out of i'm trying to remember other songs now is that saying something (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know (laughs) all right see what it's about Yeah, we're not going to dwell on this one and waste too much oxygen on it. Suffice to say, FIFA, uh, you've let us down there. Anyway, all right, let's move on to the football itself. Uh, We'll come back and have a look at our favourite five songs in a moment um, uh, before we then finalise and wrap up with our preview of the last 16, which kicks off this evening. France and Argentina will certainly have played um, probably by the time we get this up and running, but we'll make our predictions nonetheless. So, since we saw you last... Uh, Russia brushed past Egypt, uh, brushed aside Egypt in, in Group A, but succumbed to Uruguay in their third round of games. Um, so I think Luis Suarez got off the mark and scored in both of the latter two games there. He's up and running and he's looking good as a Uruguay now. Um, they topped the group and have got the momentum going into their last 16 game. but they're going to play against Portugal. They've also done well um, in... Um, in Group B as well in Group B uh, Ronaldo was the difference again against Morocco uh, but it was Ricardo Quaresma's goal sumptuous effort with the outside of the boot did you see that one score? cutting from the wing really nice finish wasn't it really nice and the Iranian goalkeeper he's probably been one of the best keepers in the tournament he's been fantastic like it should have been Portugal 6 yeah he's done done quite well I think he was homeless at one point Really? Yeah, and he he st- he went he became a pizza delivery guy and he's just dragged himself up from nothing and he, he's targeting like a big move to like PSG or Liverpool, I think he says.
1: Yeah, right. I think
0: he's going to have plenty of offers. He's done really, really well. Absolutely. But that Quaresma goal was, was unstoppable. Um, Spain also broke Iranian hearts uh, through another Diego Costa strike. Um, they drew with Morocco as well. Spain are going to face the hosts at the Luzhniki Stadium uh, later on in the week too, and we'll have a chat about that later. Meanwhile, in Group C, we had a chat about this before, mate. Uh, Kylian Mbappe opened his account for France. His goal was the difference against Peru in the second games. Meanwhile, uh, Denmark drew with Australia. Australia scored both their goals in the tournament from the spot. And I don't think they scored a goal in open play since 2010 now. So no. we were chatting offline before um, about probably the lack of attacking threat that the Aussies have got. Yes. Um, Mr.
1: Cruz, Mr. talk us through him. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm, you know, he actually... He actually got a bit of the ball and, and found it and um, I think for me with him and his tournament particularly in this game is, is just you know obviously applying pressure through through having shots on goal and you know you, th- you think you'd look at Cruz and you'd, you'd see him with the possession and he'd been a spot and just couldn't move quick enough to, to have that strike which is disappointing right because obviously that's how you build the pressure in the game so yeah um my opinion was, you know, Timmy Cahill in this game, unfortunately, um, you know, didn't get any, didn't get any match time, and I think if he, if he came on, uh, maybe could have, you know, sub out, it could have, you know, opened things up and, and and made a difference. Obviously, yeah, disappointing that the goals have only come from the uh, from the set spot, but you know, I really thought we 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 probably should have won this game, the Aussies. Mm. Um, unfortunately, you know, having a draw, it, it was it was, you know. Not, not a, not a bad outcome, but it wasn't the best outcome. So did not set you um, well for that last game against Peru? Did it uh, left it out of your hands? Yeah, yeah. Look, I think getting the win would have would have you know had us going to the Peru game with a bit less pressure uh, on the Aussies. So yeah, but um, you know that's football, isn't it? It is, mate. And and looking at that Aussie team, then players like Cruz and really lacking sort of proper
0: recognised high caliber sh- striker where's where's the future, where's the hope for, for the Australian football team? Because the manager oh, yeah, won't I stay think, on Willie. Beg your pardon? The manager won't stay on Willie. The The Graham Arnold. No, he's role. done. He's yeah. done.
1: So um, Graham Arnold, he's been appointed. Has Sydney he? FC yeah, coach, he's going to yeah. take over. Yeah, it sounds like it. So, um, yeah, I think, look, some really good young, other exciting players uh, within the Socceroos squad. Um, that, you know, some of them, you know... Had their chance to, to sort of show a little bit on the world stage of what they've got. As uh, Asani, um, you know, great little player, and you know that's another one where bringing him into the piece a bit earlier in some of these games probably would have, you know, applied a bit more pressure, particularly in this game uh, against Denmark. You know, he came on and he actually did some really good things. Azani was lively, and I've seen plenty of players, uh, even England players with a couple of caps or debutants
0: that, looks a little bit nervy, and of course there is the weight of expectation. Mm. You know, playing for England
1: birthplace of the game after all Um, but Azani was lively he looked really confident I like watching him yeah absolutely Uh, it's exciting right and these are the players which I think we need to to give game time we need to you know nurture and and bring up and and, and get them more and more confident each and every game with how they play particularly on such a big stage mm -hmm. Um, so yeah the more players like Azani we can bring through uh, through the ranks I think you know It'll have Australia and the Socceroos in in you know a good spot with, with, with the years to come. So yeah, it's exciting. Uh, I think you know these things do take time though. Mm. You know, so um you know the next World Cup is going to be interesting. We'll see how we'll see how it goes. So I think Kazani, if I'm not mistaken, I think he plays for the Melbourne Knights in the Northern
0: in the in the National Premier League, the Victorian segment of the National Premier League. So he, he's not an yeah, a right. league player. Yeah. Um, he probably will be now though. He's got to have a knock on his door soon. Uh, he Surely. looks a really talented player. But is this a problem for, for the game here? Uh, the A-League uh, run their season alongside the Premier League. And that probably helps get bums on seats because they're not competing with AFL in, in the Victorian motherland here. Yeah. Uh, and the NRL with the rugby on the East Coast. But then, at the moment, the State Leagues, uh, which are sort of the fourth and fifth tiers of, of Australian soccer, yeah. the NPL, the second and third tiers, they're being played now, yeah. out, out of the European out of the European season. So yeah. would it help maybe to shift and and have everything playing at the same time and natural promotion, relegation, spark a little bit more competition and perhaps then draw some European players down under during the European off season to yeah. perhaps
1: raise the calibre of the game here? Yeah, definitely. I think you know, it's definitely an option that, that, that shouldn't be explored. Um, you know, having soccer on at the same time that AFL on that that's gonna be an interesting you know, that'll be very interesting to see how that would pan out. But yeah, definitely agree with, you know, how do we get some key marquee players here Playing more frequently and more often, um, and really helping to build the game up from a grassroots level, and really, I guess, grow that interest in the game, uh, particularly from a national level within Australia. So, um, so yeah, similar to you know Bogut coming out and playing for the Sydney Kings in the basketball. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what impact that has on, on you know, the NBL and the game here nationally as well.
0: Yeah, fair play. In Group D, uh, nobody seems to have read the script in that one. Argentina were dismantled, dare I say, humiliated by Croatia, who put three past them. Uh, Luka Modric's goal was the pick of the bunch and is perhaps one of the goals of the tournament so far. The third, uh, Rakitic's tap in the ball laid across the six-yard line, just really summed up the difference between the two sides. Elsewhere in D, Nigeria got points on the board with a 2-0 win over Iceland. Uh, Ahmed Musa grabbed a brace, as he did likewise in the group stage uh, in Brazil four years ago. I think it might have even been to the day that he grabbed the, that brace. Um, it sees Croatia top the group and they'll face Denmark. Um, and on paper this evening, perhaps the, the game of the tournament, France versus Argentina... Both of those who started probably a little bit slow by their standards, Australia gave a good account of themselves against France and Argentina obviously have suffered that defeat in the group as well, so it will be interesting to see how that one goes. Uh, Group E has been a really interesting group. Uh, Mexico went on after beating Germany in the opening game to beat South Korea 2-1, indicating the group was going to be a little bit closer than we first thought. Uh, Germany getting off the mark against Sweden, uh, the holders with a 2-1 win of course, uh, a last last minute goal. Um, but only for South Korea to spring
1: a surprise and beat Germany. Did you catch any of that one? Did you catch any of the goals, Scott? Yeah, catch the catch. Yeah. I mean, South Korea did well, didn't they? Really well. Um, you know, who who would have called that? Who would have thought that they would have been, you know, the Germans? Um, you know, going to the going into the cup, you know, Germany was probably the team that I had, you know, in the frame as as the team to win the cup. Um, so yeah, really interesting result there. Uh, obviously disappointed to see the Germans bow out and not have a go at that sort of you know round of 16 um you know round. so yeah but you know you look at the game in south korea and they you know they, they they took their shots when they had their chances and, and it paid off for them so yeah um, for sure yeah of the tournament
0: so far that one germany losing to south korea and going out
1: yeah definitely that's, that's probably the, the biggest upset of 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 the uh, of the cup so far definitely in my in my uh, my opinion
0: Uh, Brazil topped their group uh, with Switzerland finishing as runner-up in that one. I think that means Switzerland have now won 15 competitive consecutive games, which is a really good run for them. huge. In the end, Serbia missed out. They couldn't build on their win versus Costa Rica in the first game uh, and were absolutely shellacked by Brazil 3-0. In Group G, uh, that one was all stitched up before a ball was needed to be kicked on Thursday night in Kaliningrad. England put six past Panama with Harry Kane grabbing a hat-trick, two from the spot. He's uh, he's the golden boot winner. As a neutral, Scott, how good is Harry Kane? And can he win the golden boot for England? Or Where's his competition?
1: Yeah, look, I think, you know, he's, he's a good player. Um, you know, he can kick goals. It's all going to be dependent, I think, on, you know, how deep do England go in this World Cup? Mm. Um, you know, that's what it's going to come back to, I think. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, are they fair in their next game against Colombia? Uh, feels like they've had, you know, probably one of the easier runs in the Cup to date. So, you know, the English tabloids, how much pressure will they put on their uh, their home nation and, and, and what, what, what role will that play? Yeah, it's interesting speaking of friends. The expectation's
0: quite low, but as you said with the, the Australian performance uh, against France, even though they didn't get the result, it breeds confidence going into the other games. England have sort of had that across the group that you can't help but feel a little bit more confident and hopeful mm, off the back of the wins and look the opponents uh, with all due respect and Belgium aside they're not the highest calibre no. um, but they still managed to put two and six goals past them Yeah, um, you can only beat what's put in front of you and when you beat them well it's, it's a good sign and um, Look, I was I was really happy with the performance uh, against against Panama with Panama with the six goals. Thought Panama were a little bit rough and ready. Um, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Group H in a moment, which was separated by fair play. Um,
1: but had Panama been in the mix, he would have struggled with the amount of yellow cards they suffered. Very physical team. Very physical, very and physical early, right? And um, you know, yeah, I was quite surprised watching you know watching that game and looking at Panama and just going how are you going to have a, a team on the park at the end of this game yep
2: yeah not great
1: <laughs> you know they, uh, they were very physical and didn't do them many favours but uh, oh, obviously you need to be physical to a certain extent but were they playing football or were they playing uh, you know were they, were they thinking they were playing rugby or something I don't know it was uh, yeah it was it was very interesting and rather strange to watch but South America's answer to nineteen seventies Leeds,
0: perhaps. <laughs> so elsewhere in the group, um, Belgium put five past tuners You responded with a couple themselves. Uh, Romelu Lukaku was against the goals, and some of the team play and the pace of Belgium looked really, really nice. Um, so you know, it made for a really good game when both Belgium faced uh, England. When Belgium faced England on, on Thursday evening in Kalingrad, as we said. Um, they were only separated by fair play at the time. I think it was a yellow card, the difference. Mm. But of course, it was a Yanezai and Adnan Yanezai goal, former Manchester United winger, and Loney to Sunderland as well, uh, who was the difference. And in fairness, he was allowed too much space. Um, for me, I thought that game was, was quite slow in the first half. Uh, both teams made 17 changes between them, and you could really feel the difference. A little bit of the tempo came out of them, but you can't deny Belgium's second string is, is probably a little bit better than England's. Hmm. That said, they were there for the taking, um, and just with a midfield of, of dire Loftus-Cheek, um, uh, and I forgot who the third player was in midfield for England now, Fabian Delph, City's Fabian Delph, yeah. um, was just a little bit slower and less dynamic than, than probably what England would have needed, um, and without having that, di- that direct outlet to get the ball into Kane and, and hold it up. Hmm. Yeah, I think they struggled a little bit. Bringing Kane on was a little bit, a little, a little too a little too late. Yeah. But by the by, I think most England fans are going to be happy that they're through. Um, you talked about the Columbia game earlier on. It will be tough. Columbia have looked really good in the group. They've really come into their own now and come into the stride. But you might argue that they've got the easiest side of the draw. We'll have a chat about the last 16 in a moment. But let's move into focusing on our favourite five World Cup songs. Um, so... Uh, Scotty and I had a chat about our favourites together and we we drilled those down to our favourite five with some very diplomatic uh, and respectful scoring. Um, there's a couple of entrants uh, from the UK in here. Um, we got our stats mixed up a little bit. We wanted to get the farm in there all together now and we realised it was a, a Euro 2004 uh, theme song. So we're going to go back to Italia 90 first of all. Um, and this isn't Italy's terrestrial television's um, Opening TV credits. It's actually the BBC's. I'm sure you know this
2: one. (laughs)
0: It's worthwhile getting on YouTube and having a look at the opening credits for Italia 90 because they're an absolute work of art. Gone are the old theme tunes in your own match of the days and yeah, it's uh, it's groundbreaking stuff. Really good opening credits, those ones. All right, let's fast forward eight years and I think this World Cup that we're going to have a chat about briefly now, mate, France 98, was sort of our first proper World Cup for for both of us. Yes, um, and absolutely. One of your countries, they did. One of your countries, uh, where your heritage is from, did really, really well. The at France 98.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, look, they had a good cup in 98. And um, I was 10 years of age when this World Cup when this World Cup was on. So it was, yeah, as you just alluded to, it was probably the first real World Cup of mine where I sort of, you know, really got into it and, and started getting into, you know, world football more and more. You know, being at the age of ten, and yeah, the Netherlands had an absolute cracker of a tournament. Um, you know, disappointing to obviously bow out against Brazil in the semi final through penalties. Um, I'm not sure about penalties to be honest at a World Cup level. Oh yeah, not sure whether Southern Death could uh could could be the uh could be the answer, but yeah, I mean um yeah they had a great t- tournament. You know, the old Patrick Kluivert used his head, you know, throughout the games, and you know Dennis Bergkamp and a few the guys, and yeah, it was impressive, really impressive. But unfortunately we fell short, um, as we have in, you know, most of the World Cups we've started you know, obviously we haven't won a World Cup the Netherlands. So yeah, it was um yeah, it was good and there was some really good some really good, you know, some good music at the time of the, the World Cup in in ninety eight in France. Some really good music. There was a uh there was a young a young fella. Yep. Um with his hair slicked back. Bit like yours. With his tan skin. <laughs> We had this, you know, his little uh, South American, Latino accent. And uh, he delivered. He delivered. And that's why I think I remember this cup so fondly. So
0: for the listener at home, if you've not caught on yet, apparently fourth place in this list is Ricky Martin's... What was the name of the song?
1: What was it called? Was
0: it The, was it the Cup of Life? The it's Cup English of Life.
1: The Cup of Life was the English translation. Yeah, so it was, it was the song of the World Cup in 98. And um, it was, I think, the song that made Ricky Martin, the great man, um, you know, set up his successful career in music. Um, Yeah, so cracking song, absolutely banger. I love it. Not sure about you. It's growing
0: on me. It's growing on me. Let's have a listen to Ricky Martin and uh, the Cup of Life, the El Copa del V, I think is, is its original name. Chat there, mate. Whilst that's been playing away in the background, um, what a track! Yeah, you're keen as on this one. I look, it's definitely uplifting. Um, I, I was mistaken because I didn't think this was, I thought something else was the official track of the 1998 World Cup, which I'll come on to in a moment and explain. But yeah, it's pretty abundantly clear from, from chatting with you there that. I mean, even with me, with Sven, 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 Goran Eriksson. Even though it wasn't an official song, it just yeah. sort of links to the memory and the time. Yeah, absolutely. The World Cup for you. Um, and then what was? I mean, what was the TV coverage like back then in, in Australia for, for major
1: tournaments like that? Um, look, it was pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, SBS. Yeah. Look, they had the uh, they had the telecast rights in '98, and you had Les Murray at the helm. And um, God God rest his soul Exactly right Unfortunately he's no longer with us And it's changed Bloody um, mate Yeah it's changed You know The uh, telecast of world football um, In Australia forever With him no longer with us But yeah in 98 He was there And played a really pivotal role And uh, back then um, You know SBS played every single World Cup match um, Just like they do today Just like they do today (laughs) Exactly right Thanks to uh, Optus Sport Dropping the ball Um, But yeah look You know I think the song is probably one of the main reasons why I've got just so many memories of this of this time. You know, being a ten year old kid, and um, you know Ricky Martin coming out with a banger, and just the, the the beat, the track, the feel, it just makes you feel alive. Makes you feel alive. Get around and, it, folks. Um, you know the lyrics are catchy, and um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a fantastic one. It brings back a lot of memories, which is one of the. The underlying reasons why I'm, I'm so keen on it. So All right,
0: that's fair. Now, we think as well that SBS here in Australia used that song for some of the highlight reels and we had a little bit of a scroll around and we couldn't find it. So if anyone's got that clip, let us know. We'd love to see it. Goals from the France 98 World Cup with Ricky Martin banging away in the background. That'd be... Imagine that. That'd be a sight for sore eyes. <laughs> now, the next song um, is the one that I believed was actually the official song of the 1998 World Cup and it's Carnival de Paris by Dario G have a listen to this I haven't had the World Cup since 1938, so it's 50 years, right, and I, f- I definitely feel that pain because England haven't held a tournament now since Euro 96, the World Cup since 1966, so it's, it's a fair old weight, but when it comes in, it's got the old that little Frenchy Riviera it's feel, beautiful. and then the samba and then the Italian coming in, it's just no words, no lyrics, nothing that's going to sort of stand the test of time or not,
1: it's just a great little rhythm it's a classic it just kind of brings everyone I love it it's like a, it's like it's got a little bit of a wide range of different European countries mm. just in the one song it's, it's fantastic yeah blink track blink track and I have to confess in researching this podcast
0: uh, I've not slept most nights because I can't get this song out of my head so good luck with that one listener alright let's move on and we're getting a little bit closer to home for me now as well um, we are going to talk about the same two World Cups we've been having a chat about in this segment: Italia '90 and France '98, uh, and they're both English entrants as well. Um, so our second place by a whisker, a second place by a whisker, is of course, and the rap. is something to behold from John Barnes. "World in Motion" by New Order. Have a listen to this.
3: Well, some of the crowd are on the pitch.
2: the driver on the pitch.
0: So world in motion there from uh, New Order, and yeah, pretty keen on this one. Mm. This one has definitely stood the test of time. Every World Cup that comes on, it definitely is the playlist around the house. Um, And that rap from John Barnes. Unbelievable. uh, Yeah, you just can't imagine Peter Bazley doing it, though. It just wouldn't sound the same. It just wouldn't work, mate. But John Barnes, he he nails the brief there, to be fair. And obviously, New Order, real sort of northern... Manchester Heritage. Uh, It's one that's pretty close to my heart, even if I was only three years old at the time. Um, But yeah, that's a decent one, that. And I just love the Dirce, the little Italian reference in there, with it being Italia 90. Um, It was always going to make the top ten, this one. Um, It's a classic. Now, let's move it forward. Let's bounce it back forward again for our final entrant. Um, And this one, mate, it was a bit contentious between us because you remember this song from the 2006 World Cup. Yeah, I
1: do. Uh, it was in Germany, um, and I can I can remember this track being sung. Um, yeah, it's su- sung sung in a lot of bars, pubs, and and, and outlets, um, which yeah, obviously creates quite a lasting memory for myself. Um, so yeah, I, I really like this track. And you know, when you sort of flick through the uh, the pro- the playlist, and you know, we were picking out what what, what our favourites were. This um, yeah, this one. Skyrocketed uh, up to my uh, up, to, up to my favourite. So, no, it's a great, great track, really good track. So the true history of this one is uh, it was actually released in 1996 by
0: Badil and Skinner, of course, um, and it was talking about football, uh, football's coming home, uh, and this chance for England to, to finally win a trophy since the 1966 World Cup, but also hosting the tournament in their own backyard. And after coming so close, going out on penalties to the Germans, the now England manager, Gareth Southgate, infamously missing of course Uh, the now England manager Gareth Southgate infamously missing Um, they gave it another go at France 98 and uh, Badil and Skinner got got together again with the lightning seeds and uh, put another version of it out after qualifying in Rome here it is We still believe. I mean, we certainly do. We keep believing every tournament we go to, but <laughs> we get disappointed, unfortunately. But the boys have done pretty well so far this year. And France '98. Um, yeah, I mean, Germany's the old enemy. Argentina's the old enemy. Um, you know, we've got some backstories with these guys. Brazil. Yeah. yeah, of course, in 2002. But yeah, we spoke a lot about our our battles with the Germans over the years. Of course, we went out in the last 16 to to Argentina this time. Beckham. Uh, I think he fouled. I think it's Diego Simeone. Now, um, say foul. He he, he flicked a, a back leg out when he was on the ground, yeah, right. um, and got sent off for stupid, cynical action. Um, and of course, when we went to Japan and Korea, we got Argentina in the group stage, and David Beckham was just getting admonished on the streets of of the UK. I think some West Ham fans actually burnt an effigy of him, yeah, right, because they blamed the World Cup exit on David Beckham getting sent off and. Michael Owen scored this wonder goal, but we just couldn't hold on. Went to penalties, and guess what? Missed again. Um, but four years later, Beckham's back. He's captain of the team in Japan and Korea. He's gonna miss the first game against Sweden. Broken metatarsal. I wonder what I wonder what Victoria thinks about all this. <sighs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, I mean she, I mean, she, lo- she, lo- she loves the press as well. So I, I reckon she's all good.
1: Adds fuel the fire, doesn't it?
0: But yeah, I think by this point, Badil and Skinner for, for Euro 2000, Korea and uh, Japan, 2002. Um, that was an interesting cup. Yeah. That was yeah. a very interesting cup. Uh, I think it was, well, Euro 2000 was Holland and Belgium, wasn't it? 2004, I think it was in, in Portugal. Mm. And six was in Germany. So they give it eight years, Badil and Skinner, until they decided they still believed again and and got back out there. So definitely stood the test of time, this one. And one that you can still hear on the terraces today from the England fans. And it is catchy, to be fair. So um, with the best will in the world, England uh, go a little bit further in the tournament and overcome Colombia. And uh, we managed to keep hearing this one. All right, then. So we're just about to wrap up. But before we do, let's have a little bit of a chat about the last 16 games. So this evening, um, it probably will have been played by the time um, you guys get to listen to this, and it's up on iTunes. France play Argentina. Who do you fancy for that one, Scott?
1: Yeah, look, I think Argentina's been quite. Yeah, look, I think they've struggled a little bit early on uh, for me. So I think France. Um, yeah, I think France will get it done. Uh, I don't think it's going to be an easy, an easy, an easy game for them. I think low-scoring affair. France to get it done. Look probably reckon about one nil for me. Okay, so tight. But France to edge it. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'd go with France. Both have started
0: a little bit slower than they would have hoped. But Argentina more so. France have got a little bit more momentum. um, And it's offset that the team that goes on to win the World Cup, they do start a little bit slow. um, But they come into their own. France have got every chance tonight. Um, It's just too much of the playing around Messi for them to to be successful for Mm. me. Um, Elsewhere, though... um, Uruguay play Portugal. Uruguay are really gathering some momentum now, but Portugal look really good, especially in the opening game against Spain. Um, They've not been as red hot since, but arguably the
1: best player in the world in the team. Just getting it done. Mm. Three goals. Who do you fancy in that one? Uruguay-Portugal. Look, to be honest, I don't don't think I can make a call. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this one goes out to penalties.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's
1: tight. I reckon. So, yeah, look. You know, Ronaldo's got a bit of X factor. Is you know, he's he's probably going to be the difference in this one. So, yeah, I guess we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Um, but yeah, as I said, wouldn't surprise me if it was, um, yeah, sort of neck and neck at the uh, at time, and then they you know go into extras and. Duke it out, so we'll see how that one ends up. Well, they are the
0: European champions. Uruguay, I think we touched on last time, small population of, of three million people. They're definitely in transition at the moment. Mm. Um, but again, they've got a goal score themselves in Luis Suarez, who's starting mm. to come into his own. They've been pretty stingy at the back, so yeah, tight game indeed. But I'm going to go for Uruguay with that one. Wow, that's um, nice cool. Yeah, I'm going to go Uruguay that one. Wow. The hosts play uh, Spain. Spain arguably in the to- team of the tournament so far, and it could be Iniesta's farewell. Russia have got a little bit of momentum, despite having a weak group.
1: Um, could we see a surprise there, or is the safe money on Spain? No, nah, absolutely a surprise. You stole the words right out of my mouth. I reckon Russia are building. I reckon they're building. I reckon the nation's behind them. I reckon, you know, when you get to this stage of the World Cup, anything's possible. And the host nations that we've seen over the years have, you know, delivered. So... Yeah, look, wouldn't surprise me if Russia get it done. I probably wouldn't put my house on it, but um, yeah, we'll see how that one ends up. But I think, I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think it will be.
0: Yeah, look, I think we're in for a few surprises during the knockout stages, but I can't see it being this one tonight. I'm going to have to go Spain. But if Russia did win tonight, uh, if Russia did win in the knockout stages, sorry, uh, you heard it here first on the concourse podcast. Croatia versus Denmark.
1: Thoughts on that one? It's another one which is going to be very fifty fifty for me. Uh, I mean, Denmark's you know played some pretty good football. They've you know scored some good goals. Uh, Croatia likewise as well. Um, yeah, another one which which you know I'm having trouble to split. Um, yeah, I guess we'll see we'll see how it goes. What about yourself? What are you? what are your thoughts mate Where are you sitting with this one
0: yeah look I think Croatia are the are the, are the darker horses of this mm. tournament there's always that view of Belgium and I think that's because we're spoilt with a lot of Belgian talent in the Premier League mm. we're exposed to that yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I feel a little bit more confident in describing Portu- in, uh, describing Croatia in, in such a way but that said Christian Eriksen uh, is really coming to his own in the last couple of games he's chest puffed out he's taking up really nice positions he's pulling the strings um but I'm gonna to have to go with Croatia for that one.
1: Yeah, oh, that's fair. That's fair.
0: Meanwhile, we have uh, a South American, Central American clash: Brazil play Mexico. Um, again, Brazil. It took a wonder goal from Coutinho in the first game, but uh, to, to grab a point. But have also really
1: come on during the tournament as well. Mm, Mexico, meanwhile, fantastic counter-attacking team. Well, what do your thoughts are right? with that one? Well, you know, Mexico beating Germany in the opening round. You know, massive upset of the uh, of the tournament. Tournament and. Look, you think Brazil will will get the job done in this one, but I think Mexico will put up a really good fight. Um, I probably see a, you know nil old draw at half time, and then then Brazil to strike late in this one to take it away. So that's that's where I reckon this one sits. Yeah, look, I I probably
0: feel more confident saying if there's going to be a surprise in this round. Um, it'll come from Mexico beating Brazil rather than um, Russia beating Spain. Yeah, but there's yeah. just this. It's a well worn path for Brazil. Um, you know we we had it with um, you know they should have won it in 98 everybody said and turned up in 2000 and s- 2002 and won in Japan and Korea and blew everybody away will they do the same thing again after obviously stumbling on home soil and being so poor in
1: their own backyard in 2014 well they what struggled right they yeah. struggled in 14, they struggled massively so, so they've got goals to lay to rest exactly right they do but it's going to be interesting to see how they respond um, yeah, so this is going to be a very interesting match. Belgium will
0: play Japan. Um, that hype around Belgium, that I think, yeah. exists a little bit. Do you think that
1: bubble's going to burst, or can Belgium go one further yet? Ah, uh, they'll they'll go they'll go deep in this tournament. Definitely, yeah, definitely. I like Belgium. I mean, look, there are you know the, the, the last game was you know a little bit disappointing, but I think their first couple of games they really they really got the job done. They got to jump quite comfortably and. You know, you look at Belgium early before the tournament, tournament started, they were called out as a team that, um, you know, could go all the way. And I, I believe, you know, you see Germany, which, are you know, now knocked out of the tournament. I think Belgium are a legitimate chance of actually, you know, making the, the last two, um, you know, teams within, within this cup. So I think they'll get the job done quite easily over Japan. Uh, I think it feels like Japan... Um, have played their final um, last game but mm. yeah we'll see how it pans out it's going to be interesting but yeah I think German, Germany will be too strong okay fair enough uh, Sweden Switzerland
0: um, is the, one of the latter games in the in the last 16 Sweden have had a little bit of a hiatus from the World Cup in the last couple of years mm. but they look pretty solid in the group stage mm. Switzerland safe bet solid team though and Grant Jacker scored a wonder goal in
1: the group stage too which way do you see this one going mate? Um. Yeah. Look, it's interesting. You know, you look at the two teams, and um. Yeah, it's another tough one to pick for me. Um. Sounds like you're pretty sold on on Switzerland. Is that right? I think the it Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think the legit. In a in a tight one. Yeah, I'll go Switzerland on penalties. Okay. Interesting. couple of games in penalties. This remember looks at things then. If there is, then this is one of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. I think um, yeah, I think it's gonna be interesting. Sweden though, when they're up and about, um, you know, they do have a bit of stock that can that can kick goals. So mm. yeah, it be interesting to see how it pans out. John Giudetti, former Manchester City striker who he'd loaned to
0: Celtic, he's actually been um slowest averaging player, second slowest averaging player in the tournament so far, so hardly pace up front. Do yeah. you know who the first slowest is? Who? Vincent Company. must be something about what's feeding in the city, because <laughs> it's creating all these slow players. Um, and lastly, uh, England take on Colombia. I'm excited um, to get
1: your view on this, mate. I'm really excited to get your view on this.
0: Yeah, look, it's interesting. We faced Tunisia in the opening game, and they were group stage uh, opponents of us, uh, of ours uh, in France 98, uh, as were Colombia. David yeah. Beckham really announced himself on the international scene with a really nice free kick yeah. uh, against Colombia in the group stage. I think we beat him 2-0. Um if I'm not mistaken, um, look, Colombia look really good, fast team. You know, Belgium can really play the ball about, uh, uh, Really, they play some really nice stuff. And they play it out and build from the back as well, but they're a little bit more patient than Colombia. Colombia mm. are five, six passes, and all of a sudden they're at the edge of the box. And mm. um, Falcao missed the World Cup last time. I think he's got a point to prove. A friend of mine at work was saying the other day that you've got a couple of Premier League players in there as well. that are really looking to make a a point on the international stage. Former Premier League players that perhaps didn't fare as well in England as was expected of them. Falcao at Manchester United didn't really deliver. Um, And Juan Cuadrado as well, who really shone in Brazil and Chelsea uh, took on board. But again, just didn't really seem to click um, in the Royal Blue of Chelsea down at Stamford Bridge either. Um, And they both look really, really good in the group stage too. And then you throw James Rodriguez into the mix who scored one of the goals of the tournament in 2014. Really nice volley. They've just got so much attacking threat and pace all over the pitch. However, this is the million dollar question, isn't it mate? Because on that side of the draw, you've got Sweden, Switzerland, Croatia, Denmark, Spain, Russia. So which side of the draw would you rather be on? You know, you've got this huge hurdle of facing Colombia, Mm. um, with the opportunity to play Sweden, Switzerland, Respectfully, you know, equal or less so opposition to the Colombians, Croatia, Denmark, yep. there or thereabouts. Croatia yep. are tipping as a little bit of a dark horse. Russia, okay, they'll have that momentum from the home crowd. Spain have been fantastic. Or would you rather be on the other side of the draw? France, Argentina,
1: Uruguay, Portugal, Brazil, Mexico, Belgium, Japan. Yeah, not nah, not that side. Definitely so, not that side. If you look at Colombia, and yeah. I think you know they're a team that's got nothing to lose in this cup. And I think that's the mentality that they're going to take into this game. Mm. Uh, I don't think they're expected to win. They probably, you know, they, they can win. Uh, England's a funny one for me on, on the World Cup stage. You know, you look at them over the years and the press and the tabloids locally talk them up and there's a heavy expectation uh, for them to perform, you know, at each World Cup. So, yeah, look, Gazza, I don't know. It's going to be interesting as how this one pans out. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't upset. But... Yeah, you'd think England would get the job done. I just don't think it's going to come comfortably. That's all.
0: Yeah, that's that's fair. Look, it's going to be a real solid test, and and I don't think England have actually won a knockout game at the World Cup. I think it's since two thousand and six. Yeah. Okay. Because they make it to the next tournament now, go. Yeah. That's if they can yeah. get out of the group. Um, whether they can get it here, I don't know. But the brand of football that they're now trying to play um, and playing a little bit more freely because of the lack of expectation or lesser expectation in previous years. I just hope they stay true to that, and they say, we've got nothing to lose also, because mm-hmm. we're re-identifying ourselves. Um, look, can England win this World Cup? I have to be honest and say, I don't think so. So would rather them stick to the brand of football that they're trying to, trying to develop, trying to, produce, yeah. trying to generate, trying to play. Um, the Spanish style, some might stay. Uh, there's certainly pinches of that. As Gareth Southgate also said, German game's a little bit of an ingredient there too, but I like the way it's heading and I certainly wouldn't want to compromise that for a flat back four and a hoof of a long ball. Mm. I'd rather see England sort of stick to the way that they're playing at the moment and with that lack of something to lose um, because of less expectancy in previous years, yeah, look, I'm hoping it makes for a really, really good game, but I'd be surprised if we can get past colombia They might do it an extra time, I think, and, and just grab a goal on the break. We'll see. Right. Have to be managing expectations there. But okay. listener, if you disagree, that's a surprise for me. That's a surprise coming out of your mouth there. Fair enough. I I'd have a bit more confidence in that, mate. <laughs> if you disagree, I uh, have other thoughts on the last 16, on England's chances, on our five worst and five best goals, as well as our reflection on uh, the group stages so far. Then you can get in touch. You can rate the podcast on iTunes. Um, you can comment on our posts on Instagram as well as find us on Twitter both of those are the concourse, pod, the concourse pod and we'll try and include some of those comments when we get back next week and have a look at our favourite World Cup goals but for now thanks for listening um, enjoy the rest of the football and we'll see you again soon thanks for coming along Scott
3: cheers do oh, give up the chase beat the man. take him on you never give up this one small